Welcome to the Mayo Clinic Ophthalmology Podcast on all things ophthalmology brought to you by Mayo Clinic. I'm your host, Dr. Andrea Tooley. And I'm Dr. Eric Bothan. We're here to bring you the latest and greatest in ophthalmology, medicine, and more. In today's episode, we are talking all things social media. I'm going to share my story about how I got involved in social media, how I amassed a following, and what I've learned along the way. Dr. Andrea Tooley is an assistant professor of oculoplastic and orbital surgery here at the Mayo Clinic, as well as associate program director for our ophthalmology residency. Her clinical and research interests include orbital inflammatory conditions, neoplastic disease, as well as periocular rejuvenation and reconstruction. Dr. Tooley, not surprising to me, was recognized by the ophthalmology power list as a rising star in 2017. And she won the Emerging Leader Award from Women in Ophthalmology in 2019. Dr. Tooley serves as the chairperson of the American Academy of Ophthalmology Young Ophthalmology Committee. She is passionate about education and mentorship for ophthalmologists and is influential on Instagram and YouTube. And it's because of her that I'm sitting at this chair going, please help me again. Teach me more and more about social media. Yes, we're going to teach you about Twitter today. It's all it's happening today. It's happening today. I need to get a computer out and we'll yep, all set up today. Yep, we're going to get you on Twitter today. All right. Before <laughs> we talk about my infancy in everything, including podcasting, let's talk about this. You have become an expert in this field and have certainly recognized rising star features because of so many things professionally and you've embraced this power of connectivity and communication in part through social media. Tell us about your social media journey, how you got started, and in what you're doing now. Yeah, well, I love talking about social media because really I owe so much to social media in terms of the people that I've met, the opportunities that I've had, the way that my career kind of took off on an early kind of trajectory, I think really was because of social media. It allowed me to meet so many people and get involved in things early as a resident, as a fellow, and I owe a lot to social media, honestly. And I know it seems maybe kind of frivolous or some people don't quite understand the power of social media, but it has impacted my career so much and I've learned a ton along the way. So I'm happy to talk about it and share some kind of pearls for the ophthalmologist. I talk a lot about social media, pearls for building your practice or marketing your practice or educating, mentoring. There's so many things you can do with social media. So I'll kind of start with my story because it's not the traditional story that you hear nowadays. You know, most people get on social media because they want to build their practice or they want to build a personal brand. So they get on Instagram or they get on Twitter and they start interacting and they grow some followers and that's how it goes. It was a little different for me because I started a really long time ago and I've been on social media for 12, 13 years. So it was 2012, I was a medical student. I was studying for step one. And back in those days, you know, 12 years ago, there was nobody online talking about med school. I remember when I was in college and I was a pre-med, 
I was fascinated about learning stuff about med school because you couldn't find it. I didn't know what intern year meant. I didn't know what step one was. I didn't know what a fellowship was. All these words. And you couldn't Google it. There wasn't information out there. And I remember as an undergrad, I would see people in scrubs and I would run up to them and say, are you in in medical school? Tell me everything. I got to know everything because you just couldn't find this information. This was also kind of in the heyday of blogs. Blogs were really popular online, kind of online diaries of sorts. And so while I was studying for step one, I was reading a ton of blogs as kind of my like getaway. Mm. And most of them were kind of fitness and nutrition blogs because that's something I was interested in. And I thought to myself, well, I should start my own blog. And I could do kind of a fitness nutrition-y thing, but also kind of chronicle my life as a medical student. And wouldn't that be fun? Because there was just, there were no medical students blogging online. So literally the day after I took step one, I started my blog. I called it a doctor in the house. And mostly it was sharing workouts and recipes. And then I had just started third year. The day after I took step one, third year began. And so I talked about my rotations and my clinical life and what it was like as a med student. People really liked it. And I I honestly think it only gained traction because I was the only one at that time doing it. There was nobody putting out this kind of information. And I started getting all kinds of questions about like, what's your life like as a, and what is med school like? How do you get into med school? How do you take the MCAT? What should I do as a pre-med? What classes should I take? Like on and on all the questions that I had too, when I was a pre-med. So then I started making YouTube videos with more pre-med type information. How do you study? How do you know what specialty you want to go into? What kind of stuff had I wished I had known about med school when I was in college? Those videos became really popular because, again, there was nobody making these videos. And these days, there's hundreds, maybe thousands of medical students and pre-meds chronicling their journeys online. And there's tons of really great content. But when I was starting, there was nothing. And so I think that part of the reason I gained so many followers was just, it was perfect timing. There was nobody doing this. But I learned a lot along the way. You know, I learned kind of how to interact and how to build a community. When I finished medical school and I was interviewing for residency, I decided I didn't want to stay in any hotels on my residency interview journey. And I ended up staying with friends I'd met through blogging online. Wow. Yeah. I didn't stay in a single hotel. I stayed (laughs) only. Your community is expanding. Exactly. So that was kind of an initial, wow, this is really powerful. I've made actual friends in all these cities around the country that I can stay with while I'm traveling. You know, then I started kind of being a mentor of sorts for pre-meds as I was going through my journey. I kept blogging and then Instagram really came on the scene towards the end of medical school and into residency. So I kept doing my blog and Instagram and YouTube throughout all of residency. The blog kind of stopped when I went to fellowship, but I still did Instagram and YouTube throughout fellowship. And how much just you know, your infectious, charismatic, and just enthusiastic way of sharing, but also interacting with people. At that time, how much of your online material was new content that was a fresh idea versus conversations like this that would you get one response a month or would you get one response a day? And how often did this become a living relationship with other people 
regularly versus just hit or miss. Just you know, just understanding the volume of this. Yeah. So initially with the blog, how it works is you get comments and then you can respond. With Instagram, same. You can get comments on your photos. And now there's all these direct messages and responses that you can get from people. It becomes overwhelming to respond to all the comments and all the messages that you get from people. And so one thing for me is that I never really had a goal when I started off with social media. A lot of people have really defined goals. And for me, it, it's kind of morphed throughout the years. And I've had to reevaluate what my purpose is. But when I started, I didn't really have a goal or a purpose. And so I never put rules or boundaries on it. It was always something for fun. And it always took a backseat to studying and my priorities in residency and all those things. So I never really stressed out about having to respond to every comment. And I think people get stressed about making sure they can keep up with the engagement. And that's a legitimate concern. My advice to people starting out on social media is don't worry about it. You don't owe anybody anything. I really believe that. And if it's taking away from you to respond to every single comment or make sure you're engaged with everything, it's just not yeah. worth it. it. This is just social media, you know? Yeah. It's still a very lighthearted thing. So I love being able to connect and, and mentor and interact with other people. I don't stress about it when I can't post. But I'll tell you, people want to know, okay, I built this following organically just over time by being myself and sharing my life. And I think that's the best way to build a following. But it's a little different now that there's so many people online. And it's actually, it's quite a bit harder these days to build a following. So people want to know, well, how am I going to get some followers and, and amass a following? And the truth is that you really have to be extremely consistent. You have to post every day. You really do. When I was blogging, I blogged every single day for years. That slow and steady kind of does help people connect with you. And the thing with Instagram is the algorithm will reward you for interacting with the site more. Hmm. So the more you post, the more you comment, the more you talk to and engage with other people, and the more you use the different aspects of each platform. So on Instagram, the more you do stories and reels and posts and lives, all the different facets of the app, the more the algorithm will reward you by people seeing your content. You have higher press. Exactly. So which social media platforms do you use right now? And for someone that is more at an earlier stage, say myself or others out there yeah. wondering what we should step into, what would you recommend for them? Yep. So what you know, you're polished and practicing and lots of plate spinning. So which ones do you engage with? Yep. So, okay, we've got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Then there's other ones like TikTok, LinkedIn, maybe a few other small ones. Snapchat's not really a thing anymore. For me, I'm mainly on Instagram, a little bit on Twitter and a little bit on YouTube. It all depends on what your goals are. So there's different platforms that are much better for different goals. Let's start with probably the most common for ophthalmologists is you want to market your practice. You want to get patients, you want to connect with patients, and you want to build and market your practice. You have to be on Facebook and you have to be on Instagram. Those are the two. 
Facebook, I see as just an extension of your website. Facebook doesn't have to be something you spend a lot of time on. It doesn't have to be this ever-changing kind of thing. It's almost like a website that just lives there and you just have a Facebook page and you can occasionally post updates to it if your practice is having some event, like some discount on LASIK or your optical shop's having a sunglass sale or whatever. Those are all things you can post on your Facebook. You can post the Halloween costumes of all your techs on Halloween, think that's perfect for Facebook, but it's really just think of it as an extension of your website. Because when people Google you, Facebook has great SEO, search engine optimization, and so your Facebook page for your practice will come up as one of the top hits when people Google your name. Or when they Google cataract surgery in Houston or whatever. So it's helpful to have a Facebook page. Just think of it as an extension of your website. Don't put a lot of stress on it. But the other good thing about Facebook is that you can do really targeted advertising that's actually quite inexpensive. When you start thinking about all the money you're going to spend on ads for your practice, targeted Facebook advertising is really worth it. It has a really good return on investment. And that's a separate page than, say, your individual personal Correct. Facebook page. Correct. Yep. It would yep. be a page just for your practice or just for your business. Or I have a Andrea Tooley MD. I have a professional kind of MD page for myself that I don't do anything with, but it just exists. Mm-hmm. So marketing your practice, Facebook's number one. Then the next thing really is Instagram. Instagram is a beautiful tool for visual content and marketing to patients. And patients will look you up on Instagram if they're looking for a refractive surgeon, if they're looking for just an ophthalmologist. Honestly, if I want to go get a new hairdresser or anything, even if I want to go to a new restaurant, I look it up on Instagram. People are so drawn to the visual content and Instagram is all photos and now video too. So it's it's an amazing way for you to have really high powered marketing that patients will find. Depends on the demographic of your patients. It's going to be a slightly younger demographic, but we're seeing an older kind of middle-aged demographic using Instagram more and more. So I'd say if you already got a Facebook page established and you want to do more on social media to market and build your practice, Instagram's the next place to go. And you can have a really good time posting reels, these little fun videos that show your practice. Patients will feel a connection with you. They'll feel bonded with you before they already know you. And I've found it's an amazing way to build rapport with patients before they even get in the exam room. And patients will come to me because I post really personal stuff on my Instagram. It's not a a practice and it's not even a professional Instagram. It's my life. It's my kids and my husband. And they'll come and say, oh, I saw your garden. I saw your farm. And I know that you're planting this weekend. And my patients love it. They really love it. And I've been, I've been able to build a great relationship with patients because of social media. And so I would say people also ask, should I have a professional page and a personal page? Should I keep my personal page private? It's totally up to you and your comfort level. But I would really empower and encourage people to not be afraid to post personal pictures. Patients love it. They love connecting with you. They love getting to know you. And don't be afraid to share those things. Uh, Patients really love it. So first, and one other question then beyond that, Twitter. Yeah. Is that the number three stuff? Twitter is great for building your 
academic or professional self, not related to patient marketing. Patients just really aren't on Twitter that much. Twitter is so great for sharing your research, connecting with colleagues, talking about meetings, sharing new papers. All the journals are on Twitter. Academy, American Academy of Ophthalmology is on Twitter. So in a professional networking sense, Twitter is very low stakes. You can really engage with a lot of colleagues on Twitter, and I think it's better for that colleague-to-colleague interaction. You know, LinkedIn is used so heavily in non-medical specialties, and I think some people in medicine use LinkedIn too, Mm -hmm. but I see Twitter as almost kind of the LinkedIn for for medical people. For healthcare, exactly. So if your goal is marketing, don't worry about Twitter, but if you want to connect with colleagues, if you want to showcase your research, or if you just want to see what kind of academic ophthalmology is up to, Twitter's where it's at. So you have these different platforms, you get to work, and I, I don't know if it's a changing demographic too, but now in Epic, you have your in-basket, yep. and then you have your email, mm-hmm. and then you have your Instagram, and then you have, which one do you open first in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> what a great question. I open Instagram first, okay. obviously. Which, one, which is the last one you're talking No, Epic. It's, it's, but it is one of the hard parts. Yeah. I really appreciated your thoughts over knowing when to say, I don't need to answer this, I don't need to look today, over different pieces. I mean, obviously there's a balance of trying to feed your followers, as you're saying, Mm -hmm. but give us advice over how to manage these things and sort of uh, maybe the do's and don'ts. What's an encouraging practice and what to be careful of in terms of not getting to a point it just burns out and you never touch them again. Yeah, absolutely. Social media can seem really daunting when you're not used to posting. What I'll tell you, and this seems a little crazy, but the more you post, the more kind of second nature and easy it becomes. It doesn't take from me. I've looked at the time I spend on the apps. You know, your phone Mm -hmm. tells you how much time, almost with terror, like, oh, I don't know if I want to see how much time I'm spending on these. And I spend an hour a day on Instagram which is a lot, but it's not that much. And how much of that is posting your own information, responding versus looking into exploring yeah. restaurants and all these other you know things in your life that you're a compliment? It's, what? it's probably half and half. Okay. I really like to keep up and see what my friends are up to. I like to share and post other content, especially when things are coming up. So if we have a new event for Academy coming up as part of the Yo Committee, I'm posting things about our annual meeting or mid-year forum, or I'm showcasing other young ophthalmologists or something like that. So I like to see what other people are up to. But like you said, I don't feel like I owe anybody anything. I, my priorities are, are not social media. And you just can't feel bad or guilty about it. That's what it is. If you are very committed to building a following, you do need to have that consistency. So there's things that can help you. There are scheduling websites where you can preload posts. So if this was part of your professional growth, you could have a marketing person help you with this, or you could do it yourself. You could sit down once a week and load five posts mm. for that week and spend two hours one day batching it and then they would set they would schedule and post on their own and be automated for the week and so you could have that automated and you could say you know on Tuesdays we're going to do a faculty spotlight and on Wednesdays we're going to show a case and on Thursdays we're going to show a patient testimonial or a patient review five-star review you know whatever so you could have it set like that and that would probably take a lot off your plate from a marketing standpoint just so that you have content going out 
But things like stories on Instagram, which only live for 24 hours, they're very low stakes because they disappear after 24 hours, and they're meant to just be a quick and easy snapshot. So you're in the OR, you snap a little photo of you and your scrub tech saying, all geared up for a full day of surgery today, can't wait to take out these cataracts. That, that's so easy. Once you get used to it, it takes 10 seconds. It, to me, those little posts throughout the day and having people be able to see what my day is like in clinic or in the OR or following along, they take very little from me and they provide a lot of joy when people respond and say, I am interested in ophthalmology because of you or I've been following you since I was high school and now I'm pre-med or now I'm in medical school and I'm really thinking about ophthalmology or my family member was going through this and I felt so much better because I saw you post on it. You get these messages that really, really bring back the value of what you're doing and that connection. And I've connected with so many people that I feel like I'm friends with. It's really kind of a beautiful thing. In terms of the don'ts or the downsides or the dark sides of social media, you know, everybody's terrified of something bad happening. And I'm here to tell you, I've been on social media for 10 plus years and the amount of negative experiences I've had are so few just hardly any. In my experience, people are wonderful and supportive. I've had hardly any negative comments. And if I do, I don't, I just brush it right off. Who, you know, nobody cares. But here are some things to keep you out of trouble. The biggest, biggest thing is that, you know, we are the guardians and the protectors of our patients, number one. So we absolutely have to protect our patients and their privacy online. So you can never, ever violate that trust. And the way you can stay out of trouble in terms of if you want to post a patient story or an image or something like that is I never ever post specifics, age, gender, those types of things. They just generally don't matter if the patient's 65 or if they're 45, you know, unless it's very specific or sometimes I'll change that. I never post specifics on where I saw the patient. Did I see them in the ED? Did I see them in clinic? Did I see them in the hospital? It doesn't matter. So you never want to say, I saw this 65-year-old in the emergency room because what you want to think is, could this patient read this and know I'm talking about them? Mm-hmm. You never want them to know, oh, this is me. You always want it to be ambiguous. So never post direct who kind of things, direct when or where. I always wait at least a month before posting. And then if anything's identifiable in any way, you have to get the patient permission. Mayo has a really beautiful patient permission form where you actually I write out the actual title of the Instagram post. So they're not just giving permission for the photo, they're giving permission for the post. The post. Sure. Because sometimes you'd be surprised, patients will take issue, You'll, they'll see a post about them and say, you know, this isn't okay. And then you'll say, well, you gave me permission to post this picture. And they'll say, well, the picture was fine, but I didn't like what you wrote about it. Or I didn't want you to post it in this way. So it's better to just say, this is exactly what I'm gonna write, this is exactly what I'm gonna post, and then have them consent to the specific post. Those will always keep you out of trouble. You're very motivating and encouraging (laughs) in all these ways. My next question then is, when you think of the empowerment you've shared about yourself, but in, in a practice of ophthalmology, what are the best things to come out of it? And you've spoken to it a little bit, but yeah. for those listening that are wondering, yeah, maybe I should open that Instagram account after all, but mm-hmm. what would be the big takeaways of why you should be prompted beyond how infectious you are at sharing your passion for social media? Oh, well, ophthalmology's done a really good job getting involved on social media, and I think we're just at the very beginning here. We're seeing so many incredible education-type posts. You know, we have Cataract Coach with Uday Devgan and other 
other people are posting surgical videos and educational content for patients. There's a, a handful of people, we can link some of them in the show notes on Instagram who post really fantastic educational videos for patients. And I think that's such a good way to really reach out to our patients to build this content library of educational materials that our patients can access. They have so many questions about eyes. And also we want to establish ourselves as the eye experts. I think it's important for scope, for advocacy, us directing the conversation, putting out that educational content as surgeons has a lot of value. The Academy has a beautiful Instagram. They've really done a great job with their Instagram and they're super amenable to reposting things if you tag them. So let me just say pro tip, if you tag the Academy in an Instagram post, they will often repost it mm. and they have tens of thousands of followers. So it's great. They're super supportive of ophthalmologists and I love seeing that from them. They've grown a beautiful Instagram. They're great on Twitter too. So the Academy is terrific. But I really think the patient education side of things, mostly on Instagram and then also on YouTube, is really where we're starting to see. TikTok too. I have to admit, I'm not big on TikTok because I just don't have the time or the effort to do videos on Instagram and TikTok. But TikTok reaches out to a younger demographic. And I think there's a lot of public health opportunity on TikTok to talk about contact lens hygiene or just eye health, eye safety in general, you can reach 100,000 people in a matter of hours. It's The reach is just amazing. So I think we have a lot of opportunity here and it makes me excited. Well, well say, stated. I've you know certainly very much enjoyed shouldering the, this podcast with you over time and certainly it's inspiring to me. We've only been doing it, what, six or seven months and to see you know thousands, or I think we're near 2,000 downloads, and then the number of views are magnitudes more than that, yeah. um, just in a six-month period, and understand the emails coming back, the feedback of people saying, I've never listened to podcasts, but you're now my number one thing I listen to <laughs> yeah. every two weeks. You know, please do it every week, and I'm going, okay, here we need to schedule <laughs> some more. But it is. It's an infectious, rewarding journey that to share some of our insights and passion in creative ways. And I just thank you for sharing your passion about social media and expertise with us today. Any last thoughts as you think about um, social media and even what might happen in the future in this sort of arena, where it's going and what brings you excitement in the future of this for your practice and for us as providers? Yeah, well, thank you, Eric. It's great to talk about. I always say this, but we have to meet our patients where they are. And our patients are on social media. And I think we have an obligation to be there. And I've really found so much joy and fulfillment sharing my life. Inspiring others to choose a career in medicine has always been my goal to say medicine is great. It's really a phenomenal career. We're so lucky to do what we do. And then to connect with our patients, to educate and share is a wonderful responsibility. And it's an honor to reach so many many people. It's great to do this podcast with you and we'll get you on Twitter here soon. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And thanks everybody for listening and sharing in this time with us. See you next time. You can find all episodes of the Mayo Clinic Ophthalmology Podcast on our website. Thank you for listening. And we definitely look forward to sharing more 